This show is sponsored by the Bitbox O2 by Shift Crypto. If you're new to Bitcoin, you need to be taking self-custody. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Must be done. Hardware wallets are a great way to do that. And in my opinion, the Bitbox O2 Bitcoin-only edition is a fantastic tool for you to take to help you take self-custody. It makes it very easy to do so. It's easy set to set up, easy to operate, and a great first step. Of course, for the more experienced among you, it's also rich with features uh, that allow you to enhance your setup. So you can use it with different multi-sig uh, arrangements. It's fully open source. There's repro reproducible builds. There's a bug bounty program in place, encrypted USB channel communication, and lots of other features. I highly recommend you visit the website uh, and check them out because they really are pretty impressive. Mm -hmm. So if you want to do that, go to shiftcrypto.ch forward slash rapid fire and you can get yourself 5% off. But before you take custody of your Bitcoin, you obviously have to buy it. And if you're in Canada, I highly recommend bullbitcoin.com, a phenomenal non-custodial exchange, which means they don't custody ever your Bitcoin. You buy them through them. You provide them with a receive address, which goes right to your own self-custody. That's the best way to do it so that you're never leaving coins on exchange. As we often say, not your keys, not your coins. You don't want to be left in the lurch should something happen to the exchange internally, externally, or whatever. And very soon also, they'll be offering self-custody support to international clients, which means no matter where you are, you'll be able to avail of their services to help you get set up properly so that you're buying Bitcoin and custodying it in the best way possible. So look out for that. And finally, the Bitcoin 2022 conference. The 2021 conference was insane. I talk about it all the time on the podcast. I had such an amazing experience. And this year, it's going to be on Miami Beach instead of in Wynwood. 35,000 capacity. I can't even imagine what uh, the organizers have in store. I'm sure there's a bunch of surprises. Uh, but the best part about it all is not so much the speakers or the peripheral events. It's meeting other Bitcoiners. If you haven't been to a Bitcoin conference, you just are going to have to take my word for it. It's incredible. So if you'd like to go, it's from April 6th to the 9th. And if you want 10% off your ticket, use the code RAPIDFIRE at checkout. Let's do it. Soul exporter, soul boy. Welcome. How Hello. are you guys? Hello. Me? Every day is a great day. It's great to be connected with you guys. Thank you both for, for making the time for a discussion. Thanks for having us. Uh, thanks for having us too. I just repeat everything that you say. That's, <laughs> that's nice. So uh, at, we were just talking, but for, for people that are listening, um, I came across, I guess, both of your work really in an article that you read for, or you wrote for Citadel 21 uh, around this idea of, of Citadels. And it was kind of a fresh take on how this whole thing may play out and what it might look like. And so I thought, you know, it'd be fun just to get together today, hang, talk about Bitcoin generally and, and talk about that issue as well. So before we do, is there any type of, I know you, you both remaining anonymous, but is there any type of introduction to yourselves that you'd like to give the audience for context? Give an introduction. Um, okay, but you should start. I should first. start. Okay. I, um, I need to get inspiration. Yeah, I, I can I can introduce you actually. Okay, um, introduce me, please. It, yeah, Solex Boy is uh, my son. He's a great guy. Uh, proud to have him as a son because he challenges me on everything, which is sometimes troublesome, but it is also uh, <laughs> keep keeps me at the tip of my toes. 
And because I wanted to return the favor, uh, we went into uh, some walks with deep discussions. And uh, he started with it, um, doing those discussions as what would you do if somebody would kidnap me, uh, try to attack your, uh, my sister, uh, something like that. Uh, always hypothetical situations. And I returned the favor one time um, uh, or on holiday. Uh, doing different scenarios in um, Bitcoin terms, in Bitcoiner terms. And um, we started talking on that because we, we started off with uh, discovering the Sats Ledger from MTCBTC, it's a small booklet um, where a parent and uh, children can, uh, like the child can then um, do tasks normally seen for to earn some Sats, but then on, uh, in the booklet, afterwards, when he earned enough of sets, we can send that to his uh, Lightning wallet or uh, an open dime or whatever he wanted to do it uh, on. But um, so Solix boy didn't want to do tasks or didn't want to register tasks because he had too much fun working. So we decided to uh, write our good memories, good heart memories in there. That started off then a nice uh, session, a few sessions where we did some uh, Bitcoin product reviews on the BXXI channel that Solex Boy has. Yes, that's that's kind of dead now. That's kind of dead. Yeah. We're, we're we're too busy with other stuff and we're we're saving ourselves instead of buying stuff. Yeah. You know, right. And um, yeah, then the the uh, that brings us instantly to the. Meshendel, because yes. there we were doing some scenarios where uh, some Bitcoiners had then uh, bought up the entire of Cyprus, I think it was, yes. and uh, then the Turkish Marine would attack us, and then Solid Boy had to, um, how to say, uh, strategize. strategize our, uh, our uh, way out of any problems that I threw at him. And then it became really interesting when we started strategizing on or on the question, how would you start to build your citadel? And yeah, we started off with, uh, or Solid Boy started off with a, a real physical citadel, like the not the meme, but the building uh, with the porticulis walls, uh, protection. Yeah. Well, basically like, uh, like a village yeah. with some walls. With walls and... around it, yeah. And then I started putting in some hypothetical enemies which constantly escalated because for every weapon that uh, Solex Boy put up there, I could just put the same weapon and more because I had the whole uh, state to my <laughs> disposal. And we came to the conclusion that a citadel is all good and well as meme, but um, even if uh, the scenario of Cyprus, we noticed as well, if, if, uh, if all Bitcoiners would join together now, for example, to flock to El Salvador, um, yeah, then, then there might be wrote down an oopsie with the, with the launch codes, for example. And then uh, if they wipe out everybody that is interested in Bitcoin, that would be the end. Right. And um, so we came up with the principle of the mesh cell where, um, you want to explain it? Well, actually, but before we dig into yeah. mesh to Dell, yeah. let's, so let's, yeah. let's hold that for a sec. I, and I, I obviously I want to be careful about preserving your privacy. But Soul, Soul Boy, are you able to share your age just so I can get an idea of, of uh, uh, yes, yes, the, I am eleven years old. Eleven, okay. 
so how did you guys, or one individually and then the, the other, how did you guys get into Bitcoin? I think that maybe is a better, before we get into the nitty gritty yeah. of the Meshadel idea, I mean, where, how did all this come from? And, you know, in particular, Soul Boy, I mean, 11 years old is pretty young. And man, I'm jealous that, you know, you get to be involved in Bitcoin at such a young age because, you know, I suspect it's going to greatly enhance your life as we move forward. But how did it all start for you guys? Well, um, first, Soul Exporter here started with Bitcoin and then I kind of just tagged along, I would say, yes. It was uh, South Ledger, no? That was the real yes. kickoff. Uh, so the so, uh, so MTCBDC or uh, Sats Ledger did on Twitter. Um, you know, first of all, I rolled into Bitcoin. Um, I was interested since or heard about it in 2015, interested 2016, and then bought my first uh, part of a Bitcoin. Uh, the moment that I realized that I didn't have to buy a whole Bitcoin, <laughs> and beginner's mistake. Second beginner's mistakes was, uh, uh, oh, it's too expensive. So I started rolling into shitcoins. And then, uh, yeah, like a lot of Bitcoiners, I think the, the, the nickel only fell at the moment that after reading um, the Bitcoin standard. Uh, and then I switched to uh, maximalism there. Um, Solix Boy then rolled into that um, due to the Sats Ledger. There was a contest. Um, how do you instill in your child uh, the low time preference was the question. And so Solex Boy already was quite um, interested in politics and everything um, because uh, I was talking with my father-in-law about uh, inflation and um, suddenly Solex Boy said, you remember what you said? Ah, yes, you're, you're going to be bragging with me again. Yeah. yeah? <laughs> ah, okay, yes. So... Uh, <laughs> So you're talking about inflation, yes? Yeah. And then I said that it was because um, the President Nixon lifted the dollar of the gold standard. Now, I do not remember the precise date because it was a long time ago that I said that and I don't remember everything. Um, yeah, so that's how it started, basically. Yeah. And then, hold on, so hold, in, on uh, hold on, hold on. So, uh, Solex Boy, you you know several years ago you knew the history of the dollar coming off the gold standard uh yes how did you come by that information it was actually by uh, from like a very childish cartoon like really? teen tight yes it's i i don't <laughs> understand why i was watching that then it was fun to me but there was just an episode there something about gold and um, there was something about the gold standard in there and the date and who did it, so. And you just it, kept it in your memory somehow. Yes. Okay, impressive. Yeah, sorry, then, to, sorry to interrupt the story. Uh, the story. So no problem, no problem. Um, so uh, I went, uh, yeah, Solex Boy was in, kindergarten with three friends and they were building a lot of stuff on uh, with um, those Duplo blocks and stuff like that yes. and they wanted to make a company right yes we wanted to make a company I don't know why uh, but yes we did and it was BXXI yeah okay. and they called it BXXI and it's Industries of Enterprise I never can um, BXX, BXX Industries Industries 
And um, I, so the story that I brought uh, to uh, Sas Ledger uh, was that um, the fact that I remembered that story and I was and still am um, pushing Solex Boy to chase his dreams and I will support him in everything is my is what I say constantly. But mm -hmm. he has to remember his dreams that is from uh, childhood on. So he has to do everything. Uh, his future project should be BXXI for his uh, company. And uh, so, uh, yeah, we won SAS Ledger. Uh, we uh, started recording on those videos and you called your channel BXXI uh, Bitcoin Reviews or something, or it's just it's, called BXXI? Uh, just BXXI and then there was playlists of like Bitcoin Reviews, yes. We wanted to start like a tutorial thingy, but then it just died off when we were interested in other things. So. But you made your note. We recorded how you made your note. Yes. We just never finished the video. <laughs> Anything from that. So he runs his own note, although I do the most of... Uh, the, You're my the, custodian. Yeah, the custodian. I'm, I'm helping out with the uh, channel management and everything. Okay. Yeah. And so, so, um, <laughs> Sol, Solix Boy, when... Did you kind of realize that Bitcoin was a special thing worthy of your attention? You know, we just kind of heard the story from your dad. When did you realize that, wow, this, like, you know, we, we talked about how it started with the Sats ledger, but, you know, as an 11 year old, I'm sure you have, or 10 or nine, whenever it was, I'm sure you have many different competing things competing for your attention, right? So what was it about Bitcoin that made you want to focus on it to some degree? Well, actually, I don't really know, but I think it was, yeah, it's because of my curiosity, I would say. I'm uh, like, Solex Porter introduces it to me and I'm like, wow, computer money. Interesting. Let's, let's check it out. Let's learn about it. You know, like when I, uh, when I see when I see something on YouTube, I don't know, like something with science or some new thing that was discovered. I don't know, just something there and it's interesting. Then I just try it out. And if it's not interesting at the end, then I don't do it. Fair enough. And, and what's it been about Bitcoin that you found interesting enough to keep learning about it and not give it up for something else? Ah, Tough question, I don't know. Um, but you're more interested now in the philosophy behind it yes. than, than in Bitcoin itself, right? Yes. Before it was kind of just, wow, technology, new stuff, yeah. you know? So, but now it's more of the philosophy and just because it's fun to do it with you. And with me, yeah. Father, father son project. Yes, yeah. Father, son well, project. I, to I totally agree. Bitcoin is fun to do with your, you know, family or your friends or stuff. That's one of the, the great things about this whole thing. But can, can you share, you know, what elements of the philosophy around Bitcoin that you find interesting or that you're currently thinking about, you know? Well, currently thinking about, it's like how, how it's just woke, how people there are just woke. They know, they know what's happening they, and it's, I don't know, the, the community, I guess, or if I wouldn't understand the question correctly. No, yeah, what, what, what are yeah. the things uh, that you are exploring now at the moment? Well, damn it, everything. <laughs> everything, yeah. No, not, no uh, that's not true because yeah. the technical part you left more behind, that's right? True. Yes. It's uh, so more of the community yeah. aspect, how to get people together, how to mm. uh, educate yeah. people. So the uh, we're 
neither of us both are a real Bitcoin specialist in that uh, sense. Yeah. Uh, we know our way around uh, our hardware wallet. Uh, Lightning is very fascinating for me personally. Um, that's where I left Solex Boy a bit behind in, in technology. Um, but it's the uh, relationship building and what you can do with hard money um, yes. build out. Yes, the community aspect. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's, it's interesting, Solex Boy, that you say that because you know, there's there's so many different angles to to investigate Bitcoin from, right? You can look at it from the monetary history angle, the economic angle, the investing angle, the political angle, the philosophical angle, the individual, you know, so there's all these different ways to look at it. And, you know, on this show, um, I love to talk about pretty much what you just said, which is, why is it that this thing is doing two things, probably bringing a lot of people together that think and see the world in a certain way and actually giving them that kind of central point to rally around, but also really affecting pretty profound change in a lot of people. Now, as young as you are, maybe you didn't have too much like built up cultural conditioning to override. But for a lot of us, you know, we've been alive for 20, 30, 40, 50 years and Bitcoin has come along and kind of shaken up uh, the worldview of a lot of people. And, and I think, in my opinion, has, has clarified the perception of a lot of people and has allowed them to see through a more truthful lens, see the culture, see the world, see society, see the economy through a more truthful lens. And I love exploring how and why that's happening. You know, and why is it that these people are having such profound transformations in their lives and their lives are improving so much and they're they're focusing more on things of uh let's say transcendent value rather than you know the fiat pursuits that may they may have uh been focused on before you know it's super interesting how this thing kind of gets in your mind and it's like a positive mind virus right like it gets in there and you it's a splinter and you can't stop thinking about it and, and slowly but surely it transforms your systems of value and what you choose to aspire to and what your ambitions are and so I, I i think we're on the same page there you know i agree that the what's happening in the culture let's say broadly like the the, the culture of bitcoiners is in my opinion the most interesting aspect because the economic and the investing stuff it's all, all super obvious at this point i think to the hardcore bitcoiners right like we kind of know how that story is going to play out but what's happening on a cultural level and an individual level is you know, where I think is a really juicy questions are, are at right now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, it's, it's also the, the um, Bitcoiners that we know, uh, at least know, uh, we encountered it digitally, were very accepting uh, of, of having a, at that moment 10 year old uh, in the group, right? Yes. Uh, so we had a few Bitcoiners together mm -hmm. just online in Telegram group. Um, uh, yeah, I can say maybe some a few, no, Ben at least I can say. Poor Ben Gunn. Um, uh, they were, or uh, we were talking, Solex Boy was involved there as well, just talking along. And I went away to do something in the housekeeping. And I thought he would, uh, so Solex Boy would just follow a little bit. But apparently, when I came back, they were deeply in a philosophical discussion uh, with the guy. So I think it's also the way that. Bitcoiners, or at least some Bitcoiners, those that I interact with, um, are open enough, open-minded enough to explore what a 10-year-old has to say. Sure. Sure, um, absolutely. 
And maybe maybe I should have finished off my former rant with a, a bit of a question. But Solex boy, I you, you know I said like maybe there's not too much conditioning to overcome because you're you're so young. But has learning about Bitcoin and being so fascinated by it has it changed your perspective in any you know identifiable ways? Well, um, it made me look more closely at the world, like like just observing just more uh, how do you say it in interest it's the world was more interesting to me mm -hmm. again i was just watching it unfold also the the mm. things you're starting to view mm. right because you started off with a cartoon where yeah. they is uh, just briefly mentioned the the dropping of the cold standard but um you start more looking at documentaries than at at cartoons uh, now right mm -hmm. like yeah. uh, many history stuff yeah mm. you know that's a super interesting um comment and i i actually think it, it happens to a lot of us you said the world kind of seems more interesting now and maybe there's a a greater desire to engage it and i can tell you from my perspective and I, i've heard this from many bitcoiners as well is when i was growing up um I felt a, I felt like the world wasn't going in a, a good direction. Let's just say that for, you know, for a general statement. And as a result, I didn't like, I didn't feel the world represented the things, uh, you know, the best elements of me. Maybe like there was an incongruence between what the world, what I saw in the world, and what I wanted to express into the world. And I think that can cause you to be disinterested to a certain degree because you look out there and you say like. Uh, like, how is this going to get turned around? And, you know, I feel like I don't fit in, in in that world. And so maybe, you you know, you go down not so healthy paths, or you, you, you ignore the world, or you give up on the world, none of which are, in my opinion, very healthy approaches. And what Bitcoin comes along and does, and this is kind of the Bitcoin is hope angle, it it's something that helps correct a lot of the wrongs in the world. And then it changes your perception and says, oh, the world actually can be way better than it is now in, in, in the ways, you know, in really positive ways. And that I think invigorates and animates your, the energy inside you to become reinterested in the world again. And so that, that was definitely my experience where there was like a schism. Now I see, you know, now I'm motivated to, to, in, to interact with the world and to be interested in it and to be a part of it and contribute to it and build into it. And I, you know, it's, it always, it's such a funny thing that this one little change, right? That you change the money, you, this, this digital protocol uh, in, in cyberspace, that one thing can fundamentally change your perspective of what the world is and what it can be. And the reason why that's so important for an individual is because that, that can awaken them to want to be a part of and contribute to the world and effectively, as you said, make the world more interesting. So it's, uh, it's fascinating to hear that that same process is happening to even someone as young as you. I'm gonna, I'm gonna be making a lot of summary statements, I guess, here in this discussion <laughs> that's, that's without, okay. without a question at the end. But um, I think, yeah. uh, if I can reply on that, I think it makes the world especially bigger um, because the world, we lived in was quite interesting but it was especially that it was only the things between the two of us or uh, the four of us here in at, at uh, the house or our box 
but it's the the general um interest in in what's going beyond what's happening beyond the walls of this citadel that we live in <laughs> even if it's just a house right yes uh, so, and and also in the past i guess because that's also where you're exploring a lot of documentaries at the moment uh learning from the past and what can what lessons can we learn from the mistakes that were made in the past right what kind of documentaries are you watching right now well documentaries it's not really documentaries but it's like infographics i would say i would say infographics uh like history stuff or i don't know what what else was there or like like the dyson sphere a dyson sphere explanation what it is and how it could be made Mm -hmm. possible and then we use that always in in our walks now also uh what was the last one of the because there you mentioned mentioned the dyson sphere when we were walking yes Uh, yes. it was for uh creating a space Ah, yeah how how we would uh oh damn it i forgot it well yeah with the dyson sphere thingy it was that the dyson sphere would be too complicated it was explained in the video that it would be too complicated to build and they would have to it would be better to station like hundreds of thousands of satellites that had solar panels around the sun instead of creating a big sphere because if like a meteor or a comet hits the sphere then it's broken and it would take a very long time to repair it and it also would gobble up tons of resources and if you just have a light battery pack that can hold a lot of electricity and a big solar array then it's uh, easier to construct you also came up with the taxi idea right that uh, you would have like a train station in a low earth orbit or yes. high earth orbit yes uh, the spaceport yeah there would be a spaceport at mars and a spaceport on earth and then like small starships the spacex starships could fly up to the spaceport those would be the taxis or like buses because there would be hundreds of people in there it would fly them to the spaceport they would transfer or like get a ticket transfer on a bigger ship that would then be like a cruise ship to Mars. Yeah, which by which you avoid then the uh, the gravity well from Earth or uh, Mars to get always the bigger vessels up. Plus, you get the human aspect. I really liked about that was that it's uh, that uh, people could check out first if they were up to the travel through space. Sorry for a complete non Bitcoin. <laughs> no, no, not, not at all, not at all. This is Those are the weird discussions we have. These, the, well, yeah, I was just going to say, so these are the discussions you have when you're walking through the forest yeah. or the town or, or wherever. That's, yeah. I mean, that, Pre- that sounds forest. so, right, of course. That sounds so uh, <laughs> so lo- lovely to me. I, you know, the, what, a, what a great activity that is. So, Alex Boy, are, your, are any of your friends, like contemporaries, classmates, schoolmates into Bitcoin? Or does this seem odd to them? Well, I tried, well, I was explain it, uh, explaining it to them, but they're not so really interested in it. Uh, or one of my friends was listening in that I was like really explaining in inflation and stuff like that to him. And he was interested in that, but not many friends really stick on the 
Bitcoin, mm. Bitcoin aspect of it. They just want to, that they're just happy that they learned something new, that something mm. new exists or something right. like that exists. Right. Yeah, I, I, I can, you know, Bitcoin's a hard thing to explain. I guess we put it that way. You, you kind of, you either see it or you don't see it. And it's very difficult to just sit down and persuade someone. Everyone kind of has to go through their own journey. Soul Exporter, like you were saying, you know, like you you get a few touches and then you realize you can buy a part of it. And then you go down the shitcoin rabbit hole and then you come back up and you start to, you know, over time things become clear. But I guess that's one of the frustrations of us Bitcoiners. You know, there's pe always people in our lives that we want to be able to share this with, but it's a tricky task to just sit them down and do the full brain download for them to share the perspective immediately. No, it's, it seems like yeah, almost in a, in a religious sense, it's like a path you have to walk on your own. You know, nobody can really do it for you. And that's what I like about that, because that's also mm. a principle of the mesh little. But yeah, from a personal level, is, is, uh, I have the problem with uh, orange pilling my wife, whereas uh, I was able to orange pill my father-in-law at least. <laughs> <laughs> the, yeah, yeah, well, uh, we constantly try. Here. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we're all we're always trying, and, and you know, I I accept the role as crazy Bitcoiner at this point in in my family and amongst my friends, and you know, I, I also have a, a twinkle in my eye that I'll be vindicated eventually, right? If I haven't been vindicated already, so I, I don't mind seeming a little crazy at this stage. Um, and Soul Exporter, so how, you know, I, I just asked Soul Exporter what his current fascination is with Bitcoin. And you mentioned a little bit about the Lightning Network, but I think I remember from our discussion with the Regen Ag guys that you're also interested in the philosophical aspect of Bitcoin. What, 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 what is the most interesting, what are you spending the most time on these days in terms of your understanding about quote unquote, what Bitcoin is and why, why it's so interesting? Uh, it's the same as Solix Boy, I think is a, the philosophical part or the social relationship that um, the change there that Bitcoin can bring. Uh, so we started the Rings of Fire, for example, where um, uh, first there was an, uh, a group uh, that was the Lightning Liquidity and something something group. And there you sent like uh, half uh, of the amount of your channel sent to another party and or to your counterparty and he opens then the channel and pushes that amount that he sent pushes back but that requires quite some trust if you open a, a 10 megasat channel you have to send five megasat over uh, on chain without having this <laughs> the, the the true sureness that he will really open the channel uh, so there we connect um nodes in a circle so the if you have uh, 26 nodes to make it an alphabet node a opens to b and in the end z opens back to a and then we balance all the channels in one go uh, which removes the element of trust and now by doing that you instantly have also contact with all the peoples that you connect to and then it becomes really interesting to philosophize how this could help out evolving the network, not a network as, as lightning or a network as, as Bitcoin, but the network of people um, interacting with Bitcoin on or off chain. Um, like um, at this moment, um, we're also doing the ring of liquidity for Tonga, for example, where um, I saw the Lord speaking about um, 
about how he wants to do an El Salvador in Tonga. And um, El Salvador is then connected via strike. And he's, uh, so the Lord uh, Fujita, I always have problems uh, pronouncing his name. I'm very sorry. Yeah. Uh, or something yeah, like food, that. Yeah. <laughs> um, but he's he's really a pleb. He has uh, his own two nodes running, and um, so we're discussing that. And I want to make or we're making now rings, um, rings of fire around those two nodes, and then each alt node connects to node A, and uh, even node connects to node B. So we're providing then liquidity uh, unidirect uh, only from our side, unbalanced. So if they want to have sent remittances, they could use that liquidity instantly there. And further on then also, I think that uh, like Untapped is, is pushing. Um, yeah, I'm already, sorry that I keep jumping because my mind is kind of scrambled any, uh, no, no. any day. So. Jump um, so I've been saying already from the beginning and which is why I reached out to Untapped in fact, that the biggest element or trigger in the future to have a Bitcoinized world, uh, dropping hyper-Bitcoinized, but just a Bitcoinized world, is the farmers or the blue-collar workers. Those people um, that can provide this, the, the, the real or uh, fulfill the real needs, the basic needs, food, shelter, uh, living, and living not buying a house, but if your house uh, needs repair, if you can pay that with sats, then we're speaking. It doesn't change the world if you can buy art with, with Bitcoin or you can buy uh, a car with Bitcoin. That's fascinating, like Tesla accepting Bitcoin. Yeah, wow. But that's not the difference because each sat you spend is actually a vote you make. You're making the statement that that product that I buy now is for me more expensive than the value that could be gained in the future. Number go, number go up is, is really nice as a motivator to invite other people, but that no, doesn't make Bitcoin valuable because if everybody just hodls and nobody uses sats to buy uh, goods or services, then it's just a mass speculation and then you have to actually uh, agree with, with uh, salty no-coiners. But I do believe that... Um, when those goods that are really valuable to you can be bought with sats, it is also clear from a farmer, for example, or not even a farmer, just as a hobby gardener. If he can sell uh, his leek and two onions and some potatoes for sats for half the price of the fiat price, he can actually say, okay, this is a perfect KYC free way to, uh, to get to sats. And it will be it will be worth more anyway in the future. And for the for me, I can say the same that um, by doing that, I'm spending my. Uh, for example, I bought KYC uh, Sats in the past because that was the steps that I take. If I really use it as money, how can any government say then that I was speculating? In that mm -hmm. logic, and so the networks that can be created. Um, by making those channels. So that's a future thing I want to try out is finding the people that are interacting the most with each other. For example, in the Tonga node, it would be interesting to see which product, or that was one of the questions I asked the Lord, what are the products that Tonga is actually importing if so many of the um, 
what is it called in English, the Bruto National uh, Produce, uh, is coming 70% uh, of their economics is coming from, from remittances, but that money has to go somewhere. So if you only receive such, what's happening then? You're selling back for fiat, that doesn't make any sense. So then it would be the most interesting to go orange pill those that are actually importing goods into Tonga. So that when the flow goes out, it is sats for products and not sats for fiat that then turns into products. Mm. Yeah, it's. I was speaking with Tomer Strolite two, two days ago, and uh, he referred to lightning channels as sovereign trade routes. And I liked that yeah. um, that idea. You know that you establish these trade routes with you know people that you like or trust or or what have you. And, uh, you know, if there's ever an issue or if the, the relationship ever changes, then you kind of sever the trade route and everyone goes their own ways. And, yeah. and uh, you know, it's an interesting idea. And, you know, this, this kind of leads into the, the Meshtadel idea where, you know, in the future, you'll be able to choose, like, who you link up with because of, you know, how maybe you trust them or how much you value the services or the products they provide. So why don't we why don't we break into the the Meshtadel idea now? I think now that we've got a, a brief uh, intro out of the way, why don't we why don't we explore the Meshtadel idea? Yeah, the the Meshtadel was. Um, you want to say it or? No, no, I can go. Yeah, okay. Uh, so Meshtadel was was uh, basically first a, a guerrilla tactic uh, where you have the possibility to um, not be there where the strike lands. So if you know that uh, an enemy army would come, uh, or for example, in uh, one of our stories was in the UK, the Church of Fiat takes over. Uh, how do we get Ben Gunn out and all the other Bitcoiners? So if a authoritarian regime decides, okay, we're really going to arrest Bitcoiners, um, of whom we suspect even just that they might have some Bitcoin, um, the best way to engage in that is not be there just escape and flee to wherever you go but escaping is one thing but then you have to start from zero you can take your uh, your hardware wallet with you or the words in your head um, but then you have to start from zero and that's not always so easy but if you already have that network where uh, you reached out to where you have a trusted bond where you have uh, just not know them uh, but further there's a level of trust you can at least um, gather your feet under your ass and use that as a base to take off again. Um, further thinking on that was then exactly those parts of economics where you can already create your network and where you interact with those people as well, creating your lightning channels, but also do real trade between each other. Uh, the... the um, how do you say it? the digital nomads uh, working from remote? You can already uh, have a whole company together with all people that are never physically in the same space, um, and that gives also the possibility um, where you want to defend yourself as long as it's possible, um, but if the need arises, you want to flee. And so it is interesting, the concept of a citadel where you have your walls and everything, um, but it becomes really difficult. And that's another aspect of, of uh, Meshtadel. Um, let's say we really have 
a citadel that we can buy, a physical citadel with uh, the walls, porticulis, and uh, sailor says, uh, what do we do? We, we, we buy the, the whole citadel and we go for it. And somebody else says, okay, we also want the citadel, um, but we're gonna, um, we're gonna do it like uh, 20 people of us, we're gonna buy the citadel together and we're gonna live together. Which citadel would you want to live in? Well, I would rather go the one to the one from Sailor than the one from the 20 people together. Mm. And by going to the one from Sailor, I will be uh, engaging myself in a contract by, where I have to follow the rules of Sailor. Mm -hmm. which makes it possible to go away when I disagree. And the mesh citadel is just that, uh, where you can each have your own citadel, but work together, even if it's just a house. Uh, we we, we dealt everything. We had a, a house citadel, street citadel, city del, um, and then the, the UN, UNB? Uh, no, um, UBN. UBN. United Bitcoin nations. Yeah, yeah that uh, yes. would be then the biggest mesh to know. But yeah, so um, mesh to is not really that you would be part of only one mesh to but you're part of different mesh to but in different gradations. Like um, mm. if the trust is really high, that's your core citadel, that is uh, your tribe. And even if you're outside of a mesh to you might still trade, but then that's uh, the further out you go from the level of trust, the more you go to uh, a business relationship than in a social relationship, mm. which allows then also for having uh, what was also typical in, in uh, on Bitcoin Twitter. You have uh, Samurai versus Wasabi. You have KYC versus non-KYC. Uh, there are so many conflicting views, uh, uh, different views that all come together on the layer of Bitcoin. We all agree Bitcoin is it. But still, there are—it's um, not infights; it's just discussions where people do completely disagree. And a mesh principle principle is then exactly that: that you can uh, decide to agree on something specific. You can both work on Bitcoin, but you agree to disagree on on the wallet samurai versus wasabi, for example. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I, you know, people. As I said at the beginning, a lot of people are thinking about this issue now because it's becoming more and more relevant every day. And I think some people get hung up on the symbol of a centralized uh, citadel. And I think it's helpful to recognize that we always use symbols as a means of kind of, well, the, a symbol holds energy and it holds a lot of meaning. It's a condensed form of meaning. And so it doesn't necessarily mean that like, we're all just going to flock to, you know, a handful of places that are highly fortified and like, you know, like you said, the sailor citadel, what I think is, is the better approach to understanding that symbol is that, you know, the highly fortified walls of like a Helm's Deep sort of citadel, right, from, from myth or story might actually be in the real world you know, might just represent distributed defense or strong yes. defenses and how exactly. that manifests might just mean, oh, well, you have independent uh, food supply, you know, resilient food supply. And it means yeah. you have ability to service the machines that you're using to, you know, make your food. And like, so it's not that that everyone's going to be living in like an old castle. It's that that's that's an idea. That's a symbol to transmute into the real world as it's applied today. And you mentioned you know, what, 
what Joel is doing. And, and basically I, I see that as part of it, right? Like Joel is starting to think like, okay, how are the mission critical systems that we need like food and water and, and maintenance and these sorts of things, how are they go how can we make them resilient so that they're available to Bitcoiners in this distributed network of people that are trying to insulate themselves from the authoritarianism, the overreach, the chaos, what have you. And it's, um, I mean, I, like, I think we're all, we're all thinking about that. And it, it's kind of, you kind of have to pinch yourself sometimes and realize like, you know, what we talk, what they talked about in the sovereign individual and these conversations that we have all the time, like, this is really happening. You know, these are real world considerations that we are going to have to contend with. And this is just the very beginning of it all getting kicked off. And it'll be very interesting. I'm very excited for it. But I, you know, like any transition, there's an, a, there's an element of apprehension and anxiety around it too, because it, it, it may not be uh, the easiest thing to pull off and there may be turbulence, et cetera. But I'm excited for a future where, as you just described, you know, you, you have this broad distributed group of people who you have a high degree of trust with and you can trade and you can, um, you can enjoy the company of and you can travel around with and then it kind of the circle of trust expands from there, right? And, and that changes the nature of your relationship with those people, but it also it, it changes and expands the, the experiences or the services that you can avail of. And it, I mean, it just, it seems like a much better way to organize humanity than, than the current format. And, um, you know, have, have you guys, and again, I, sensitive information I want to be careful of, but have you guys started implementing solutions of this kind, you know, beyond lightning channels and, and Bitcoin stuff in preparation for the emergence of, of citadels or emergence of networks like this? Yes and no. Um, yes, in the sense that um, I talked with uh, Yuri de Gaia from uh, Citadelium. And he had a very interesting concept uh, that the citadel begins with yourself. Uh, mm -hmm. The person is the smallest unit in a citadel, as a citadel. Absolutely. And uh, in that part, uh, Solex Boy has taken up interest in, in some stuff, like uh, he's uh, still planning to make your drones, right? Yes, yes. <laughs> Explain your model from the modular drones. Modular drones? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So um, I don't know how to call it. Let's call it drone. Drone, okay. Just, just a drone. So the drone, the modular drone, uh, would be based on the design of. <coughs> there's a company that is planting trees with drones. It has like a tree, a tree seed launcher at the bottom that it drops pucks of fertilizer with the seeds inside into like a place that was recently hit by a forest fire or something. So it would be the, the drone structures would be based on that. But on the bottom, it would have maybe a screw or magnetic connector that you could add different modules to. So when you need to defend, you um, put in like a gun module or something. If you need it to farm or plant trees like the original design, you can put the seed launcher. If you need it to package delivery, uh, package delivery you yeah. can put like a crane on there or just uh, like a claw or something. It's just uh, a modular design that you can add anything to the bottom 
and it would still remain stable because it would have the modules designed yeah. for the drone. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's so cool. Yeah. So he wants to build his own drone. Uh, he has a small drone or he had a small drone to play with, but uh, he really wants to make him his own uh, open source drone with uh, a Pi board and everything. So he has his uh, parts list. I just have to order it when I find some spare Fiat somewhere. <laughs> <For Christmas maybe. laughs> yeah, fiat um, is in short supply these days. Yeah. <laughs> um, but for uh, uh, for the rest, it's it's personal development as well uh, in mm. any uh, form of size, trying to... Um, yeah, uh, we're for sure not self-sovereign, um, but at least garden, uh, have some vegetables, learn about gardening especially. Um, so Solex Boy also always is reasoning in, um, what was it, the uh, what if we don't have any food, which vegetables should we put down? Uh, so energy dense ones, what, uh, because we just arrived from, from the garden before the interview, yes. where we were having, preparing everything for winter. Oh. Um, First arrived from the dinner table. Yeah, yeah. Uh, lunch table. Yeah, lunch table, actually, yes. Um, so, yeah, uh, and then for the rest, I should do more sports, but yeah, <laughs> it, there's only so little time in the day. Yes. Uh, but yeah, that's, that's... And I should also do sports, yeah. but, but I'm too lazy. You're too lazy. Well, I think, I think that's, a, that's a great point, and I absolutely agree with the idea that the Citadel does emanate from the hearts and minds of, of each Bitcoiner, each yeah. individual, and it, it constructs itself out from there. And this is kind of why I think we're seeing such interesting transformations in Bitcoiners, right? That they start to think about their diet and food and maybe their fitness level and their relationships and their own uh, systems of principles and values and even spirituality differently because there's this, there's this sense that like the core is here. And then what you do is you, you build out from the core, and, right? So you, you imbue your surroundings with this, the principles that animate who you are yourself, right? So when you, when you develop yourself, you're kind of simultaneously determining how you're gonna develop your exterior world, what you want that to look like, how your environment is gonna support the development of yourself. Because at the end of the day, I mean, that, that's what, that's what culture does. You know, if any of us were born in the Amazon rainforest in a small tribal village, we would be all very different people, right? So we derive a lot of our signals from the culture. And I think this is part of the reason why Bitcoiners reject the dominant culture so much because the signals coming from the fiat culture are so perverted. They're so, they're such poor signals. We don't want to be led and conditioned by those signals, even though we've come up through it, right? So we reject that. And now what, I, what seems to be happening is that a new culture is emerging around better values, better principles, ones that we are happy to contribute to and to be conditioned or, or, or receive signals from. And uh, a part of that, like our responsibility there, is making sure that the signals that we ourselves emit through our behavior, through the things we build, through the ideas we propagate, are good signals because we're feeding into something that other people are going to use to construct who they are. Right. And the, the kind of beautiful thing about this is that it's a as we all do this and we refine the culture together, it becomes something that we that is much more helpful, is a much better tool for us to for our own self-development. Right. And yeah. I'm, I'm super excited think, by that, by how that's happening. 
I think it's very important to uh, you said the, the right signal or the correct signal. I think it's important to give a true signal. Uh, Absolutely. You have to, yeah. uh, and that's why the mesh dial is so interesting, or personally, uh, it's, it's weird to say so, uh, uh, about something we invented ourselves, but uh, for me, it's yeah. important <laughs> about the mesh dial um, is that you can actually, like I said, you can um, have two different views both Bitcoiners, but two completely different views living next to each other, interacting on whatever they decide to uh, interact on. But that's why it's so important to be giving the true uh, values and the true signal for yourself and not um, uh, the signal of uh, Bitcoin is good because, no, it's, it's what I uh, carry as value I want to have the, the, the correct signal signaling out. So I attract those people to my mesh dell that align with my values. Mm -hmm. and, um, and this is what, what you said. See. This is what you said about how spending a sat is a vote, right? And this yes. is one of the things that's so wrong about society today is that that you're when you spend your money, it's supposed to basically be a signal of your principles and what you value yeah. and what you want to create in the world and what you want the world to be. But when there's an intermediary that messes with that signal, that introduces noise into that signal or dilutes it in some way, then your, your truth is not able to be broadcast at, with as high fidelity as it should be. And so this is what what this is what kind of creates this whole mess. People adding extra information into the signal that we're trying to send about who, you know, what we value in the world and how we want it to be and, and how we want ourselves to be. And what's so beautiful about Bitcoin is it becomes this pristine signal of our values that we can now send out into the world that cannot be corrupted or diluted. And so naturally, the world will become a reflection of our principles and values, which again is why I think the onus gets put back on ourselves to refine ourselves and our own, you know, what we value and our principles, because now we know that it, it will be propagated to the world more clearly than it ever has before. Plus it gives you also more power over yourself, over your own um, needs. And, and because, because fiat has become such a tool that doesn't really hold any value, it doesn't give signal in whatever you buy, you're also inclined faster to uh, fulfill needs that are not really your needs. So things mm. instilled by advertisement and stuff like that. Whereas um, if the thing that I'm gonna buy is gonna cost me dearly, or, or sets, we see it all uh, 21 million divided by infinity. Uh, it is, do I really need that? Whereas now, yeah, I'm, I'm just gonna buy it because if it breaks anyway uh, in a month, it's it's cheaper anyway, and I don't have to wait for it to have a better version. Blah. And it goes out like without thinking. And now, if if you have that signal function of your expenses of your spending, then it becomes a lot more in that. Yeah. I said it also to um, Max in a podcast was uh, like if Sailor would go. Uh, uh, really bad like he's su su uh, the, the super villain from the world he has a lot of power with uh, microstrategy with the amount of sats he has but he can do it only once mm. he can wreak havoc in, in bitcoin world in the value of bitcoin uh, expressed in, in uh, fiat terms uh, because I don't agree that it's really the value but uh, it, it would 
create panic, for example, if you would sell everything at one go, but that comes with an expense again. He might have to buy back uh, more expensive. Mm. He might have created so much damage in the world that he, at that moment, is worse off afterwards. So it becomes, um, it becomes a link where your vote with your sats makes you accountable. Yeah. And, you know, I think another element of that, which I find incredibly fascinating that feeds into what we've been discussing is that, and it's not just the opportunity cost, right? Like we, there is, we, we look at things today and we say, do I want that plastic piece of crap or do I want to hold mm -hmm. on to these sats that are going to hundred X in the next 10 years, let's say. So that's the opportunity cost element. And it's very, very powerful, but there are other reasons why we feel like sats are precious, right? Many of mm -hmm. which we've discussed today and some of which we haven't. But the point just is, is now there's this, there's this thing of extreme value that everything gets compared to, right? Mm -hmm. So like plastic crap versus sats, you know, yeah. new bed versus sats, you know, paint the walls versus sats. So everything has this extra intense contrast now that maybe it didn't have in our lives before. And what I think is part of what's happening with Bitcoiners, with this ideal, this idea of the Citadel starting with, within and it being refined and transformed in Bitcoiners, is that what happens when you have something of such extreme value to compare and contrast and judge everything else? Well, it pushes down everything of relatively lesser value, right? So the mm -hmm. plastic crap, nope, not doing that, not doing this, not doing that, not the new TV, not the all, all this extravagant, whatever, wasteful stuff that gets pushed down. So what's left over? And, and in my mind, what's left over are the things of transcendent value, right? That the things that you, you cannot put a price tag on, family, love, relationships, truth, beauty, joy, right? Those are the only things that can, that can stand up to such an intense value judgment. And I do think we see that happening. I think amongst Bitcoiners, we see everyone pushing down all the all the crap, let's say, and the more transcendent, noble, if you want to call them values, rise to the top and start to be the, the main drivers, the main motivators in the lives of Bitcoiners. And I think we're starting to see this whereby Bitcoiners are prioritizing family and health and ideals like truth and freedom and beauty and joy. And it's a it's an interesting outcome of this kind of intense uh, point of value being introduced into their lives and into their value hierarchies and frameworks mm -hmm. that's causing this dissociation between the things of relatively lesser value and the things of the utmost value. And I think that's part of the reason for the transformation we're seeing. We finally found our metric system in values. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, you know, and this, this, I talk about this quite a lot these days because it's one of my the things that interests me most. But it is, you know, there's a religious analogy here because the thing of greatest value becomes the judge of everything of lesser value. And that's what allows you to properly construct your value hierarchy so that you're focusing on the things of that are of the most value. And then there's a hierarchy all the way down to the things of little or no value. And the the thing that permits all of that is the thing of greatest value being at the top of the hierarchy. 
you know and so in this case we're saying that this thing has been introduced that we're perceiving has such great value it's acting as an organizing mechanism for our our systems evaluation our value hierarchies and i would posit that it's doing so in a very beneficial positive way but i would say that that is also has historically been the role of a godlike figure or at least the values and principles that that god or or entity or myth or hero espouses and then those become the ordering uh principle for the value hierarchies of people and now i'm not going to here make the claim that they're i'm not going to equate the two but i'm just i'm just saying that the phenomenon that they both motivate and inspire seems to have a lot of similarities and it's interesting to to investigate why that may be happening i think that is the uh, the absoluteness of the truth that's being presented um like Tomer said it actually yes uh, yeah, I, two days ago um the the mirror analogy was was really interesting where you don't see only yourself but also the transition you make and um it is holding it's something we, we yeah, we've never seen really in the world it's the the nakedness of uh bitcoin it is having everything on on the ledger publicly open what makes it an absolute naked truth and we finally see the power of that mm. that it's um so easy actually <laughs> to not having to worry about something that might happen in the background and that openness um makes it makes your mind expand a bit <laughs> and, yeah. and uh, i've i've um now solix boy is going to the toilet for a sec so i'm gonna move a bit um i was traveling in japan and there is the takayama temple i think it was called and um there they uh if i understood them right um they believe that uh god jawe uh allah it's all the same um entity and it's just human beings giving them a name and if you think further you could consider uh shiva krishna uh or or uh, the the thor or uh, zeus or all um worships in the past all the same it's just humans giving uh a form a face to what they do not understand Mm-hmm. and what the religion is in there for my personal part is that it's the the how to say that uh uh the the let's say mother nature to to keep it very simple the god particle would be very small would be the power that binds electrons around the the core that is where the true godness is for me personally it's it's in everything and uh if you want to worship that as uh allah or god or uh you want to worship just humanity as an atheist for example it's about the respect for that that you do not understand one might consider as religion even as an atheist mm-hmm. 
Yeah, and I think, um, and I agree with with that. And I think another interesting inquiry is like, you know, maybe a more simple definition of God is just the unchanging, because the unchanging is what any organism ultimately has to adapt around, right? Because if it can't change, then the thing that can change is the only thing that will change. And so, um, you know, maybe God is just the eternal. And again, to to uh, make reference to Bitcoin, what I find interesting, I mean, and let's say it's possible that Bitcoin can change, but let's say it's an extremely strongly instantiated social immutability that's very unlikely to change, at least in certain parameters. And as you said about it, the nakedness of its truth, right? It's, it's like when, when such principles like truth and like openness and like fairness and like honesty are so, one, so naked and obvious, but two, so that has such a quality of absoluteness, right? Such a quality of unchangingness, then I, I think it has a power of imbuing those principles into the people that the, the changeable people that engage with it, right? It's the same principle. It's like, if this, if, if God is the unchanging, then the only thing that changes is, is the people that interact with it or the, the organisms or the, the reality that interacts mm -hmm. with it. And if we have, a, if we carry over that analogy or that principle a little bit, then if the, if these principles uh, of truth and honesty and openness and fairness have been instantiated in a if not unchanging, extremely, you know, uh, difficult to change way, then should we not expect that when changeable people, changeable things like individuals come in contact with it, that those principles will be imbued in them? And is that, you know, perhaps, again, another element of why we see this ethos emerging in, in the culture around Bitcoin of radical honesty and radical openness and radical freedom and i think probably the answer is to some degree yes mm -hmm. i'm just sidetracking here in my mind because if it's um there's no sidetracking you're going just, any, anywhere you want no no, no it, 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 it was just um why if you look at the other side of the picture of that it is it might declare why, why some people might be so afraid of Bitcoin is that you're being held to a standard to your Absolutely. personal truth. To your personal truth, being true to yourself. And that is very hard for people because the first, I, I said it somewhere else as well, the first person you are going to cheat is yourself. Is telling to yourself, oh, this is okay. <laughs> and that's a very painful reflection to see in a mirror of truth that I'm doing actually something which is completely wrong. Yeah, I mean, this, this is the idea of the truth being the ultimate judge, yeah. right? And, and, and most people, or I shouldn't say most people, but maybe for everyone to some degree, we don't like being judged. You know, there, we, we like to hold on to the delusion or the illusion or the preconceived notion or the existing perception we don't want to be, we don't want to have who we are or our ideas or our principles judged by a higher truth and an unchanging truth. And 
again, I think that's why truth, when it's represented, does emerge at the top of that value hierarchy and permits it to be constructed properly, because that's what a, a hierarchy is. It, it is a judgment of all things. You know, like when we mm -hmm. take any action, we're saying, I'm going to eat the banana instead of the instead of the, the bread. Well, you're, you're making a comparative analysis there and you're judging that one is more preferable or more valuable than the other. And therefore you act in accord with that judgment. And so we're always acting in this sea of comparative uh, possibilities or, or, or options. And the things that dictate how we make those choices is what we place as the highest judge of our actions. What is the highest value that helps to animate and helps us carry out those comparisons? And, you know, again, I think what another definition of God may be is the thing at the top of the hierarchy, the thing that permits the, the judgment to take place in all subordinate levels. And, um, and as you say, you know, part of the reason why um, many people reject absolute truth or the idea of God or the idea of a judge is because it can be very uncomfortable, especially mm -hmm. if your perception or your perspective or your life is largely predicated on either conditioning that you're not aware of or untruths in different manifestations like that. And, and hence we, we shy away from it. But I, mm -hmm. and that's why I think courage is such a huge element of personal development. And mm -hmm. again, something that I see emerging in the Bitcoin culture is like, you have to be courageous to confront yourself. You have to be courageous to yeah. confront the unknown. You have to be courageous to allow parts of yourself to die in order to construct uh, yourself back up in a way that's more in line with truth, that's more in line with uh, truthful principles. And yeah, so, so courage is a massive part of, of all this stuff. And I think that's, I think that's um, a, a principle or, or an idea that's, very much a part of this this culture that seems to be emerging around bitcoin not to mention necessary in the exterior world because you're confronting a culture that is that is filled with people that have let's say abdicated that responsibility for co constant development and so you need to be courageous to confront the exterior world as well but also yourself in the sense of uh, being open for being wrong which yeah. is uh, sometimes a frustration for me uh, on Bitcoin Twitter is that it becomes an echo chamber. Or that's at least my fear. Um, but back to the how, truth. Uh, how, do, how, do you, how do you feel? And just to interrupt you for one second, but yeah. how do you feel it becomes an echo chamber? Uh, sometimes one person says something and that's just the narrative by which to go. And then I really like... Uh, for myself, for example, I have a list of, uh, how do you call it, uh, QE and other uh, nitwits, I call it, I think. Um, uh, but just to have like uh, Francis uh, blah blah Coppola thingy there, the, with the weird uh, uh, salty no-coiner. But um, once in a while, she really has interesting takes on things. And I like to see them. She almost blocked me because I was laughing with her uh, because she was... Uh, 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 arguing or, or uh, discussing against another no-coiner, thinking that she won the argument, but they were just saying the same thing in different words. Uh, but I like to see those visions of no-coiners, of some shit-coiners, when they talk 
uh, when I shit coiner talks, uh, this is the best. This is gonna go up, blow up. Uh, I, I just mute them. I never block, or almost never block people. Um, but I like to expose myself to any opposing views just to make sure that I'm not going with the main narrative. Mm -hmm. That I uphold my own truth, even though I agree with, with the main let's say the main Bitcoin stream, <laughs> which sounds weird, um, but I don't, uh, for a, giving a very specific example, uh, I discussed this with uh, somebody yesterday or day before yesterday. Um, the vaccine, for example, if you're pro-vaccine or anti-vaccine, you are, in my personal opinion, already taking part of the narrative that they're putting on to us. It isn't pro or against vaccine. It is free choice, which is important. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's not because somebody took the vaccine that they're a statist cock. They might have their good reasons, but their, their own personal reasons. And uh, although I agree with, with all the anti-obligation uh, of having to have the vaccine, so I'm supporting all those who... who uh, go on strike again, or Australia is completely uh, dystopia at this moment. But being against somebody who took the vaccine is also not the right answer, in my personal opinion. I, I don't care how anybody else thinks about it. And I'm, I'm a very non-toxic maximalist. Uh, so I, I, if somebody wants to buy a shitcoin, good for me, not my problem, not my mesh to <laughs> They have to come to their own conclusions. As long as two people want to exchange fiat or even Bitcoin for a shitcoin, it has value. Uh, it's just not to me, but between, between those two. And I, uh, I don't have to care about that. Yeah. And, uh, and NFT bad, for example, also is, is also something that I think, yeah, okay, I think it's utterly stupid to spend money on an NFT. But you don't have to instantly say NFT is bad. I have my own joke there as well that uh, uh, Bitcoin is speculation or everything is speculation. Um, Bitcoin is about speculating that uh, other people will be smart enough. Uh, Shitcoins is speculating that I can drop my bags on somebody else. And uh, NFT uh, is a speculation I didn't get uh, screwed over out. No? Um, but if you think far and open enough, there might be possibilities where an NFT is, is, is interesting. I have actually one that I came up myself, but NFT as valuation or putting a price on NFT is just, uh, or, or no, you can put a price on an NFT, but buying it as speculation, what everybody's at this moment is doing is just full, fully retarded in my opinion. <laughs> but nobody yeah, has well to take over that opinion. Right, exactly. And, and I, so I agree with you. I, I, don't, I have no concerns about an echo chamber because at the end of the day, the only person I care about parsing the truth is me. And yeah. I'm capable of, I know how to approach the, all the noise and distill yeah. from it what I want to get from. And also, I, I'm, I'm happy to hear the debates around, because I agree with you about free choice, but I'm also happy to have the discussion be had about well, why would you make the decision to do X versus Y, right? So in the case of the vaccines, like why would you make the decision yeah. to, to take it or not? But you, the, the important point that you made is that 
at the end of the day, I impose my judgment on nobody but myself yes. or in, in, no, in no larger manner than myself. I may yeah. impose judgment, as you said, and say, well, I don't want to trade with you because of your opinion, so I'm not going to, or I'm going exactly. to adjust the level of trust I have in you and with you as a result of the decisions I see you make. But you know, the, I'm going to impose you know, the, the full specter of my judgment, let's say, only on myself. And otherwise, I'm happy to have every argument happen, every debate happen, every discussion happen, because it's just more data for me to learn about individuals and to learn about ideas. And that's ultimately what I want, because those two things together allow me to have a more truthful perception of the world. Yeah, I myself, I'm also not uh, worried about the echo chamber as such. I'm just worried about being becoming a part of the echo chamber or a echo chamber, uh, because there are... Uh, a lot of toxic maximalists that I really like, and they help me out like that uh, with their views and, and their takes. I'm just not a toxic maximalist myself. I'm, I'm a non-toxic maximalist. And that is maybe uh, to be completely true uh, for myself because I'm too selfish to care about somebody else losing all of their wealth in, in a shit coin. Yeah. Uh, and that's, I'm jumping for a second back to, uh, because I'm being true to myself and to you about my reasoning for not being toxic. I think the the truth set, uh, will set you free is one of those uh, sayings, right? And it carries so much truth <laughs> because um, it's, it's if, the best. It's my favorite quote, and it has so such broad applicability to so many things. It's it's magnificent. Yeah, because it, if if you think about it, and I just realized it now, is that. Um, if we would go to a set standard on which we uh, decide to interact with each other, to have that as our base, as uh, governance, or however we want to interact with each other, that is actually a lot more energy efficient because you don't have to uphold all of the energy to uphold the lies that form the image that is held up at this moment. Like so much of the you know, the bureaucracy of uh, of governments, everybody makes a joke of it. Uh, there are comic books full of them um, about how slow the administrative system is, and that's mm. all part of those lies because you have to, you need form blah 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 for having a form blah blah blah. That's all so much spent energy to uphold the lies that make this current system stagger along because this is not even rolling further yeah i i couldn't agree more with that you know when i was a young kid um and is, is solex boy still here yeah, yeah. yes yeah when, when i was a young kid i um i always hated lying and being dishonest and it it wasn't even so much that i thought i would be a bad person if i did it although that was certainly part of the consideration but it was more a uh, soul exporter, as you were just saying, like I realized the, um, the inefficiency and the, uh, the difficulty because every lie you tell becomes a fork of reality. Right. And yeah. then there's now these two things, there's the lie and the truth. And then maybe a, another fork happens on top of this lie. And now there's several more realities. And I just, I thought it was impractical to go through life and have all these different potential realities. And, and I was always so 
I was always so curious, like uh, Solix boy, like you were saying, and I and one of the elements of my curiosity. I mean, if you're genuinely curious, right? If you generally, if you genuinely want to know what the truth of a matter is, or even some of the bigger, broader truths, then one of your primary objectives is to see things as clearly as possible, right? To contend with what is, to contend with the truest reality you can. And so how could you possibly feed into creating deceptive or alternate untrue realities if that's your primary goal? And so that's how I always felt as a kid. I was like, even if you really want to lie, right? You get caught doing something that you, you know, you know you're going to get in trouble for. And you're like, oh man, like lying here would really get me out of this, this situation. I could never bring myself to do it because my highest priority was to contend with the truth of reality so that I could construct a as clear a perception as possible. And I think that's what's uh, so explored what you were just saying is absolutely true in the high, you know, just the cesspool of bureaucracy and dishonesty and lying and disingenuousness that permeates society and culture today and is definitely largely expressed in the political apparatus uh, in, in every country is that there's the, the weight and the inefficiency created by all those, all that delusion, all that lying, all those different forks of reality is such a massive suppressant on basically, you know, the expression of, of the better elements of ourselves, you know, the, the flourishing of the human soul, just to put it broadly. And again, why Bitcoin is so exciting is because it disallows those, those lies in large part, right? It, it, it constructs a bedrock of, of truthfulness from which all of those different institutions and relationships and transactions and all that kind of stuff can be built on, on the basis of truth. And what you get as a result, or one of the things you get, is the diminishment of the inefficiency and the weight of, of the lies, basically. And what does that do? That, that, um, that makes available far more energy far, for the construction of abundance, of good things, of, of things that we genuinely value and want to produce or, or, or experience or become. You know, so th this again is, is one of the reasons why Bitcoin is so exciting because not only does it dissolve those structures that we think are so inefficient or in some cases evil, but we get to extract this sunk energy from them and put them toward a greater purpose. And it's even a scarcer good than uh, electrical energy, it's human energy, the, the, uh, the thinking and the creativity that. Mm goes now in finding solutions to problems that are not existing just or they are existing but they're just there because somebody else says they should be there yeah. in which we just spend so much wasted energy and if you think about it thinking is also producing uh, co2 so <laughs> what a waste are we doing now <laughs> <laughs> but you know truth this concept i've been thinking about recently too is that truth is also energy efficient right it's it's yeah yeah it's a it's adaptively it's competitively it, like it's it's because it, if you're engaging in a reality of any kind right like if you're congruent with the truth of that reality then you're maximally energy efficient you can move through that reality as efficiently as possible whereas if your idea of that reality the more it diverges from what it truly is then the more energy you'll have to expend to, to move through it. And so, you know, energy, truth is kind of like evolutionarily adaptive, right? And I guess 
that's an obvious statement. It sounds super obvious, but you know, I hadn't previously thought about it in those terms. And and again, if we if we bring the corollary to human society and culture and economics, the more we can orient ourselves around truth and engage with truth in a high fidelity fidelity way, then the more energy efficient we become. And to your point, you know, wherever human ingenuity comes from, right, whatever that wellspring of creativity mm -hmm. is, it seems like an obvious statement to say, the more we can tap into that, the better we're yep. going to be individually and as cultures. And I think the degree of lies and deception and untruths that we experience in the world today and the, the, the institutions and the political bodies and the, so, um, the culture that's built up around that is such a massive suppressant on our ability to access that energy, that creative energy that's within all of us. And I, you know, I'm so motivated and so look forward to the day where again, that suppressant is largely removed and we can more easily access that wellspring of, of creativity and energy and ingenuity. And who knows what will come from it, right? It, and it's super exciting to, to, to kind of realize that that process is unfolding right now. Yeah, it's the, the like you said, the creativity, what people can build, you can automate a lot of stuff, but you cannot, uh, like artificial intelligence, they say, but at the end, it is more of a pattern recognition uh, algorithm that has become really strong than real artificial intelligence, because the intelligence is exactly the creativity of human mankind. So if that can be put to use, then uh, those stories or those those uh, mind games that I'm playing with Solex Boy, they might become faster reality than than uh, than just a fun activity to uh, spend our time in, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so what's but, go ahead? Yeah, no, go ahead. I was just gonna say, what's uh, when you have these walks these days and you you say the the what if the what if the what if game. What, what you know? What kind of games or question? What what kind of what ifs are being asked in recent weeks on your walks? Well, um, recent weeks. Well, what what if? Today still uh, you said it even. Uh, what if electricity runs out? What if we don't have food? What if there's like a breakdown of society? Here. Gas especially also no. Yes, gas. Yeah, because the Russians might close the pipeline yeah. mm. yes and even they said it in news yeah they said it in news and then we talk uh, about it they uh, they add they added prices made it really high yeah yeah and then you said instantly yes is the inflation that we were talking about for a really long time but mama doesn't want to understand or see it <laughs> <laughs> so like boy i have a question for you you know it's it's super cool that you're aware of these issues in the world because you know obviously they're very important and they affect all of our lives how do you and because we all have to find the balance between identifying the problems of the world and being pragmatic about trying to solve them in our own lives and maybe even beyond but not being so overcome by you know the despair of the problems that it allows us it it, it sucks the too much joy out of our life so how do you balance, you know, looking out of the world and seeing problems, but also being, you know, uh, ma making it inspire productivity and 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 uh, beneficial approaches to it, rather than kind of being like, oh, like overly worried about it all. 
Or do you yes, not think about that at all? It, it all just comes naturally to you. Just having a lot of fun yeah. with yeah. Papa, right? Yeah. <laughs> That's probably the Got best it. answer there is. Yeah, I think we, uh, to be honest, it's it's Bitcoin that, uh, or doing things with Bitcoin and those uh, mind games is what brought us closer together than ever, no? Yes. And uh, awesome. since we are asking these questions, that's actually a, a good point there. Uh, because we are asking ourselves these questions, we're not worried about what might come because we might be pre- probably we're more prepared than other people. Mm. Um, we're we're big larpers because we only do everything in theory. But every time that we discuss something, uh, we do take small actions, and. Uh, yeah, as before, if I'm working on the mesh tail, yeah, I'm, I'm uh, reaching out to a lot of people, uh, Bitcoiners. I'm looking for other people that have interesting profiles that I'm trying to orange pill because I want to get them involved in my mesh tail. But it's not really uh, anything concrete that uh, we would say uh, uh, this is officially a mesh tail. But there are uh, certainly uh, a few people and even a few no-coiners that I consider in my mesh tail, even if it's not defined like that. And um, yeah, it's it's. I have to say uh, that Solex boy actually helps me find uh, the right questions to ask. Uh, no, because it's it's like you said the the the. What if the gas gas company closes the gas here in the street and then we start thinking about it? Yeah, we, we could then uh, start looking for other possibilities. Uh, put what did we say? What did you say again? Uh, and uh, the live we uh, live only in the living room and uh, have, yeah, we uh, would bring the bed sheets everything down. There. Yeah. So and we would use our electric heaters. Um, because the gas is off, obviously, and, yeah. it's, and we have a gas boiler. So how are you gonna? How yeah. are you gonna heat? How yeah. are you gonna cook? Yeah. You know. So uh, one of those uh, things that I was looking into before was uh, before I was into Bitcoin. Even was um, shit is the fan stuff. Um, mm. There, it was one of those. Um, was a guy who survived in uh, the Yugoslavia wars, the Balkan wars. And he was explaining several stuff, uh, uh, things like that, that the worst thing that can happen is not having a plan. Mm. But if you don't ask you the questions of what could happen, you never have a plan. And by making those questions and making those games out of it, you can do this and this and this. Yeah you actually can feel more secure than people who never ask themselves the question. Even yeah. though we're not, we're not that far in, in our preparations for whatever might come, but it, it are small things like, uh, uh, yeah, food supply. food supply. Yeah. For example, uh, you think about it, but is uh, needed. We have our, our small garden that helps something. And then in the winter, we can pickle stuff. Yeah, we want to go pickle things next year. Or, I uh, found out a recipe how to pickle onions, yeah. uh, carrots, yeah. and nice. uh, normal uh, pickle pickles. Yeah, <laughs> normal pickles, yeah. 
<laughs> no, but those are then activities that we then take on as, as uh, fun stuff to do. How to? Yeah. How would we do this? How we do that? I yeah, then we effectively he goes looking on on internet, YouTube, whatever, uh, for for uh, ways how to do it, and yeah, then we have a new fun activity to do good, to do yes. together. That's super cool. And you know, you you mentioned like you LARP a little bit, but we all do, right? Because we always aspire to more than what we currently have or what we currently are, right? Our our reach always exceeds our our grasp. Yeah. And so, you know, you kind of you have to LARP a bit because that's part of thinking about and trying to aspire to achieve or or establish certain things in your life. So I think, and especially as Bitcoiners, like we we talk about such grand visions for ourselves and our lives and for culture and for humanity that it's it's we all larp right but we i think we all have to be forgiving and allow ourselves a little bit of larping because i think much of our aspirations are grant are grounded in really good things right we we want we want good things uh like almost you know we, we want indisputably good things for ourselves and humanity and the world and the future of our, our species. Mm -hmm. And if we have to sound a bit LARPy or, you know, a bit, um, I don't know, iconoclastic or, or something sometimes, then, then so be it. I, you know, I basically I'm saying, I think our hearts are in the right place. And so if we have mm -hmm. to sound a little bit hyperbolic sometimes, or then, you know, I think that's just part of the process. Yeah. It's for me, it's just being, uh, trying to be true to myself and, honest Absolutely. to myself and not thinking oh yeah whatever may come we're prepared no yeah, it's, it, yeah. we at, we at least ask ourselves the questions uh we for sure don't have all the answers uh so but at least yeah we we might have at least a small idea or plan of uh, approach on a lot of situations <laughs> yeah awesome well, gents, um, I've really enjoyed this discussion. Was there anything else you wanted to touch on before we, we shut it down? Is there something you want um, to say? No, not really. No? That's, well, it, oh, go ahead. one thing. Yeah. I love talking and it's, and it's too soon. <laughs> <laughs> but you didn't talk so much. Yes. You're too well, nervous. We'll do. How about this, uh, Solix boy? You, you know, you think about some stuff you want to talk again, and if you ever want to come on, even without your dad, if if that would be your preference, let me know, and, and we can we can do another one sometime. That would be a pleasure for me. You want okay. to? Um, okay. Someday. 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 <laughs> sure, someday. sure. I, I look forward to it. Sounds good. Uh, for me, I think, uh, yeah, the future is uh, out there. I think it is. Um, the small people that are doing uh, will be the biggest difference in the world. Uh, looking for orange peeling, the small farmer in the neighborhood will be more meaningful than the next big investor that you know uh, would might bump the price. Mm. Um, yeah, vote with your sats. That's all I can say. <laughs> Great advice. I couldn't agree more. Guys, thank you again so much for the time. Uh, really enjoyed Thanks for having this. us. Thanks Good for luck. having us. Good luck with everything. And I'm sure we will talk again in the not too distant future. So take care. That would be cool. Okay. Cheers, man. Yeah, cheers. See you guys. Bye. Bye-bye.